Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Bully Ray, and Tommy Dreamer talk about the surprise announcement by Sting that come revolution in 2024, he's retiring from pro wrestling. We get the reaction on the Busted Open podcast. Also, we speak to DDP, who has some great stories about the icon Sting. And before the big matchup with Becky Lynch, for the NXT Women's Championship at Halloween Havoc. We talked to Lyra Valkyria right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Gentlemen, talking Sting, Sting announcing his retirement at Revolution last night on Dynamite. We want to celebrate these heroes, especially when we get an announcement like we did last night from Sting. But uh, Bully, I remember, and... You know me, and Tommy, you know me. What did I do last night? I did my laminated list of greatest uh, uh, sting matches of all time. And one of those matches was the match you had, Bully, with Sting at Slammiversary in Boston. And I, and I look back at that night, and um, one of the things I remember is Sting before Slammiversary doing a meet and greet with the fans. And I just remember that line of fans to meet Sting. And I just remember that line like wrapping around the block. Um, Sting's an icon. And we, you know, we could talk about Sting and his greatest matches and where you put him on the Mount Rushmore or the greatest of all time. But Bully, and you were in the ring with him. You know, Sting had that something special. Like, I know people use the word legend a lot and the word icon a lot but i think it's fair to to attach those terms to somebody like sting one of the highlights of my career was getting to work with sting and with hulk hogan in tna never in my life did i think i'd be a singles wrestler uh or a singles wrestler who somebody saw a lot uh, a lot in as eric bischoff saw in me and allowed me 
and handed me the ball and allowed me to have the run that I did in TNA. The thing that I appreciated and liked the most about Sting was our interaction together. We uh, we always joked around uh, about the word reverence because uh, reverence is respect. And I've always had a ton of respect in the business. Whenever me and Sting would talk, you know, I always showed him a, a tremendous amount of respect. And then it time to be, be time to get in the ring. And I kind of took that re reverence and respect and I threw it out the window. Uh, not that I didn't respect him in the ring, but I needed to have the best of Sting at all times. And sometimes that meant taking Sting and popping him in the mouth or upside the head or laying something in because I found that the more aggressive I was with Sting in the ring, the more aggressive he was back. And it brought something out of him. There was a time when Sting was doubtful of himself out there felt like maybe he didn't have it anymore or, or thought to himself maybe i can't perform at a certain level but if you would just help bring it out of him he performed at the top of his game and uh, the the tag matches that i had with him the singles matches that i had with him obviously the one that culminated at slammiversary in boston that you liked very much and a lot of fans liked uh very much good match with a very innovative uh you know finish to the match it had never been done before in which we cut back the ring uh apron and we exposed the boards nobody had done that and if it had ever been done before it it probably was 30 years ago yeah it was it was almost a shock to me when i saw it that night so you know we pulled out all the stops i i enjoyed my time personally with sting i enjoyed my time professionally with sting and i consider myself very lucky and a smarter performer for the amount of time i got to spend with him and learn from him and just you know be friends with him in the wrestling business. It's kind of funny. If you, if, if, uh, if somebody were to tell a 15 year old bully Ray that, Oh yeah, at some point you're going to be in a story with Hulk Hogan and then in a feud with sting, you probably wouldn't believe them. No, because I would have told you, I don't care about that. Cause I, I want to be in a story in a program with the road warriors. I want to be That's in a true. story in a program <laughs> with the Steiners. That's yeah, how, yeah. Die hard of a tag team guy I was. You want to be uh, teaming with Tony Gurria. Uh Tommy, any uh any uh stories when it comes to Sting for you? Uh sure. I never met um Sting until I went to TNA. And uh -huh. like I said, I was a massive Sting fan. Uh then when I got to work with him, I mean I agented his matches, which was kind of surreal. I also was able to get in the ring with him. Uh, I was in a battle Royal and he was the first person I was targeting. Cause I said, no matter what I'm getting to sting to have, to have a moment with sting. And I started awesome. doing stings comeback on sting until <laughs> I told sting to do his comeback back to me. Um, but now nah, he was awesome. He was awesome to deal with in TNA. Uh, always loved work with him. I saw him a couple times when I went to AEW uh he's a great dude he really is and i've seen him a bunch of times on you know conventions 
and uh, stuff. And, you know, when he's able to still go out there, like you said, that line, that line, he's introduced himself. You talk about he's wrestled in the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2000s, uh, 20s. There's so many different generations that know Sting. When he wants to go out of the house, he could do any signing that he wants to do to get out of the house, go on a vacation, and still get that little bit of a taste of the pro wrestling life. As well as, I mean, if I have Sting, if I'm a Tony Khan, I use him as a, as a brand ambassador. I thought that was great what WWE did with certain legends, and I think uh, AEW could do that with certain people as well. Well, think Dave, about one, it. Oh, what, did, I'm just going to tell you, I, you know how I am about these stories. You used to actually tell me to tell them more often, so I'll, I, I think I might have told this one once. I had a mark-out moment, complete fanboy mark-out moment with Sting. And we we were right in the middle of the whole Aces and Eight story where me and Sting were tagging together and we had to get the blessing of Hulk and all this. And we're in performing, I believe, in Manchester. 10,000 people because Impact was massively over in England. Yes. Place is just about sold out. Me and Sting tagging against the other guy, against uh, uh, Doc and Knox in, in, uh, in the Aces and Eights. And I walked into Sting's locker room and he's doing his makeup. And I said, hey, will you paint me up also? And he he paused and he looked at me and he was like, absolutely, I will. Like, I, I think he was taken back by the fact that I wanted to be painted up like him. So there I am. I'm, I'm sitting there like a little kid. <laughs> You know, while Sting's painting my face. Do you remember the scene in the movie Django where Jamie Foxx is listening to the the, the German man tell the story about uh, Broomhilda? Jamie Foxx is sitting there like a little kid and he's, you know, he's bobbing up and down and he's asking questions and you can see this smile on his face. That's the way I was. Like... Uh, and and one of the reasons that I love Sting was as a kid he was so colorful, and he always changed his makeup. He always had on a different look, and he's involved in one of my favorite matches of all time on my favorite pay per view of all time. You know, Halloween Havoc '89. He was in the yep. Thunderdome with Flair and Muda and Funk, and Bruno is the special guest ref. So all of that just comes together, and it's just me and him in a room. And there he is painting up my face, and I'm posting this picture right now on social media awesome. for everybody to see. That's all. See, that's it. I mean, this is like these are those types of moments. And, Tommy, I know you appreciate These are these types of shows where I love hearing stories from you guys and then hearing stories from the fans. But my favorite story about Sting doesn't involve Sting the wrestler at all uh my my story involves sting the singer of the police because sting was at sirius xm and we were doing busted open and i was like shit let me see i go out and i actually went up to sting the singer and i said sir appreciate you <laughs> you're you're a whole favor but, you know, I host a pro wrestling show. You know, would you want to have some fun and come on the air? And 
I'll ask you questions like you're Sting the Wrestler. Would you be into that? Would you do that? And he gave me this look, and he looked at me for about three seconds without speaking a word, and I actually was like, oh, my God. I just lost my job. Like now, like, you know, cause there's all, you know, they all have the posse around, like all the PR people around them and everything. And for like legit three seconds, there's silence. And then he was like, sure. And then the PR people just jumped in and they were like, no, he's busy. He's got other interviews to do. And they, they brushed him off. But I heard as he was walking away, he turned to one of the PR people. He goes, you know, I would have done it. I would have done it. I was like, oh, that would have been so great. But like legit, the rest of that day, I thought for sure somebody was going to come in and fire me for asking Sting to pretend like, you know, like that I was asking him questions as Sting the wrestler. But how great would that have been? Because I would have had him come in studio and I would have asked him questions about, you know, what was it like wrestling Ric Flair at Clash of Champions in 1988? Like that would have been, I thought, good radio, but... Serious XM officials thought otherwise. The zombies got you. Yeah, uh, the zombies got. He was willing to do it though. Think about like that takes con- that takes a little bit of set of balls on my part to go up to fucking Sting, the rock and roll star, and ask him to you know to be a part of Sting. Is it the really? Is interview. it really big balls or just lack of brains? Yeah, lack of brains. <laughs> Probably lack of brains. <laughs> right. Part of being Dave Lagreca, being dumb. <laughs> Bubba, your um, that Halloween Havoc, was that the one in Philly? Halloween Havoc in Philly, 1989. That is the first time I, like, when you can put your finger on a moment in time when you see the tide turn or you see something happen in history, that's the night that I believe wrestling started a slow change. And I'll go back to the exact match I'm – the exact match where I saw it, the dynamic dudes managed by Jim Cornette, Shane Douglas, and Johnny Ace were supposed to be the ultra mega baby faces going up against Michael P.S. Hayes and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin, the heels. And Philadelphia was not having any of it. The dynamic dudes got booed out of the building. And the free birds were cheered to the max. And that's when I that's when I saw the uniqueness of that Philly wrestling crowd, who obviously five, six years later we were a part of, and we we were a part of the you know the 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 tide turning. But yeah, I love that show. I love the the entrance of the Road Warriors. Uh them against, you know, the 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 skyscrapers. I mean, the match wasn't good, but you know. Uh, the the main event obviously. I I just really enjoyed Halloween Havoc '89. I remember that because I remember when Michael Hayes threw his punch, the place went nuts. Uh, as a as a babyface reaction, but I'm my why I'm going to this because if you go back and watch that, there is a fan dressed as Sting with the bleach blonde hair. I want to say he had green trunks on and at times flexing without a shirt on. And you know who that person is? No, you face painted, even better than me, the Sandman. Wow, Tremendous. the Sandman dressing up like a guy who could actually wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> Full face paint and gimmick. 
That's amazing. See, the same it's in the funny. crowd, opposite hard camera. I love it. I I love these. I love these stories. Uh, I want to get out to the busted open nation. We have a ton of fans that want to talk about Sting. It's funny, bully though. When you mentioned Halloween Havoc '89, um, I remember being at the Meadowlands, like Flair versus Sting for the NWA Championship, 1991 in January. There's a snowstorm. There was like not maybe four thousand people in the building because there was a really bad snowstorm, and. Sting was the babyface, Ric Flair was the heel, and the entire crowd was rooting for Ric Flair. And Sting was getting snarky with the crowd. He went to put the figure four on Flair, and he's like, "Now it's time to go to school." And people were booing Sting. Like Sting knew how to play into the crowd a little bit at times too. I tell you what, um, the one argument that I got into with Eric Bischoff, and I have a very good relationship with Eric. I respect him a lot. But the one argument we got into is Eric tells me and Sting that at Slammiversary, the match that you talk about, uh, mm. you guys are going to have a no-holds-barred match. And we all know how I feel about that gimmick, no-holds-barred. And me and Sting were very much like, can we call this something else? And he's like, no. And I, then I went into this whole thing about how, Eric, no holds are barred. You know, we should, if we're going to make real sense of this, and you know how I am about making sense of things, then let's bar a hold or let's do something and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Sting was fully on my side. And he tried to present his case to Eric too. And then me and Eric started to get a little loud with each other. And he was just adamant. He's, uh, basically, it came down to, I'm the booker. You're calling in a no holds barred match. And once that hand is played, you kind of got to, you know, yeah. back off. And this is where I cut a promo and I wish I could find the promo, but I can't. Maybe the nation can help, help find it for me. This is where I cut the promo about in wrestling, no more holds are barred, but there is one move that wrestlers across the board have like a secret agreement not to hit on one another. And it's the pile driver. And at this time, nobody was really hitting pile drivers. Yeah. Taker and Kane might've been doing tombstones. It was a different story. Nobody was using pile drivers. So I said, sting, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pile drive you and I'm going to make sure I end your career, blah, blah, blah. That's when we pulled the, pulled everything back. Sting, kicks out of the pile driver but i went on you know to to beat him but that's something that i wish i could find um but but just you know as we're talking about sting these all these memories come back actually having him on my side in an argument which i'm not used to having in pro wrestling <laughs> Hi everybody, Christopher Mad Dog Russo here. Familiar? You should be. Well, now you can catch Mad Dog's Daily Bite each day as a podcast where you'll hear my thoughts and opinions on the biggest topics around the world of sports. NFL, baseball, golf, NBA, even the hockey. That you know you can count on. That's Mad Dog's Daily Bite. Drops daily anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can also hear me weekdays 3 to 6 Eastern on Mad Dog Unleashed, Sirius XM Channel 82, or anytime on the SXM app. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, 
Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Somebody who's done a lot for the business, but more so for the men involved, men and women involved in the business. And that is our guest right now, DDP. Sir, how are you? And thank you, as always, for the time. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Good to be here, bro. It's been a while since I've been here. Just happened last night. But Sting has been working with AEW. Last night on Dynamite, he made the announcement that at Revolution in March, uh, just five months away, he's going to have the final match of his career. He's going to be 65 years old. First, did you God. hear the news? Oh, no, I, I heard that he was thinking about it. I wasn't sure exactly when he was going to do it. But, man, that that there's certain guys in this business that I really hold dear to my heart, and that's one of them. And when I saw him out there, when he jumped off the wall, yeah, whatever the hell that was, it went through two tables. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I, I can remember texting him one time after some huge bump he took and go, are you okay? <laughs> but you know what? He's been resilient, and Sting has the kiss of like I call it the um, the uh, wrestling number one or wrestling number two. I can't remember what numbers he was. You know, with a mask uh, or kiss with the makeup, they could go like and Gene Simmons. At, I don't know, I think he's 78, is about to do his last tour, you know, but he ain't taking no bumps. So, you know, I, I think Sting has had one of the most glorious careers that you could ever have. And I told him, I said, Sting, at some point, I'm going to get you. You're going <laughs> to gonna come looking for me. And I just want you to know, brother, I am always here when, when you're ready. But really shocking to me that he didn't just phone anything in. Yep. And he and he could have, you know, and still been, you know, all he would have to do is come. If it would have been dust, all he would have to do is lay a couple elbows, 
know, <laughs> and uh, that's that's all he would have needed to do. A splash, boom, boom, scorpion. They done went crazy, but he didn't do that. So God bless him, man. I, I love the cat. Paige, you said Sting is a guy that you hold uh, near and dear to your heart. Is that on a personal level, a professional level, or both? In every way, shape, or form. I used to have. my. I think, of course, my, 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 my fondest memories, of course, in professional wrestling will be, you know, my first win over Randy Savage. You know, the, the world championship when Sting was in there and Hogan and Nature, Nature Boy took the cutter in the middle for the world title. But my favorite match is on Nitro. I'm the world champ. We're in main event. I believe, I heard at the time, I'm, I'm not absolutely positive, but I think it was the last quarter hour that WCW ever won against the WWE. And we were in the match and it's going great. And then Charles Robinson, I believe, says, D, I could be, we're going home. This is it. We're going home. And he goes, you got five more minutes. I'm like, what? And as Sting came at me, I grabbed him and I'm going to throw him to the floor. I go, we got five more minutes. And he didn't hear me. He just saw me grabbing him. Like, we didn't talk about any of this. And we're going home. I throw him to the floor and he's hot. <laughs> he gets up. And I gotta like like shoot, grab him by the throat, and go, bro. We got five more minutes, and I get to the shop and called it all on the fly because we had worked so you know so many times together. We knew each other's you know. Every time I would ever pick him up for the fucking spinning power bomb, seated power bomb, I would do when I go up, he'd rub my hair and go shampoo. <laughs> and that would spin down into it but it if i look at you know at the end that the finish was i fucking i get him for the diamond cutter but i pull him back and i go to take off and i have to hold the ropes and then i come back and i pull down and he holds the ropes and then hits me with the uh with the uh the death Scorpion drop death drop yeah and uh that that was the biggest pop I've ever heard. Because again, I got it for the cutter. Oh no, you know. <laughs> and and I've got, that was the night I won the world title on the, uh, on the you know lost it and won it in the same night in a four way dance later. But uh, Sting was always, I mean, always there for me as a buddy. And as I earned my way up, and you know this kind of bubble, when when one guy goes from the you know the bottom or the middle of the card to the very tippity top, there is a lot of heat that comes with that, you know, because everybody wants to see everybody do great until all of a sudden that well, why him? Why is that happening? And you get a lot of heat from that and sting never you go you're 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 real friends and at that time you got it's really hard because you, you have you have that group that you hang with 
But that group that you hang with, kind of, they're kind of pissed that they're not for them too, you know, or you went above them or whatever the reason was. Sting. And a lot of it had to do with, too, around that time, I got to do the Malone thing, right? That was the... Hogan said to me four years earlier, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because it's not tomorrow or next year or the year after, but somewhere down the line. I believe you have the ability to draw huge money with me. And we were in Berlin at the time. And when he walked away, I was just like, oh my God, did Hulk Hogan just say he watched my matches? But when I, that whole Malone Rodman thing, that was all my idea. Mainly because I heard Rodman was coming in for the second time. And Carl and I had gotten so close that I knew he loved wrestling. So I literally, and Carl's going to, I have a documentary on, for, uh, on A&E coming up at some point. Carl's in there talking about this. So I literally called him up, got him to say, yeah, I'm interested. Went over to see Bish. Bish really didn't know Carl Malone. He wasn't a basketball fan. Of course, everybody knew Rodman. But that was the night that they beat uh, the Utah Jazz, swept the L.A. Lakers with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and Carl at like 34 points or whatever. He just manhandled Shaq, which Shaq must have been sick or something because Shaq, nobody manhandled Shaq. But when Bish saw it, he's like, call him up, make the deal. Now, that was all my idea. Oh, the whole thing is Bish set it up, but showing up on the friggin' Tonight Show. My idea. I ran it by Bish. He made it happen. A lot of heat came with that. But the real heat came. Now it's going to be me and Leno against Hogan and Bischoff. And I don't care, you know, what the situation is. That's a mainstream audience thing. Not, you know, the wrestling fans, sure they hated it. I didn't give. I didn't care. It was. I cared about Cal. How good can we make this? And the only reason Bischoff put me in that position, because he knew there was a handful of guys who could really lay out a match from beginning to end. Because it just wasn't done like that. Spots, yes, you know. But Randy Savage and me, I wanted to lay it all out. And then I wanted to improv throughout it where, man, oh, the abuse that I would take for that. Now everyone does it, you know, with improv mixed in. But back then when you're a trailblazer and no one said nothing to Randy because he was Randy Savage. But I heard a thing with Steamboat talking about that match and like Randy had it all that we do this, we do that, we do this. That's why it was so great. But when you can do that too and improv the stuff, that's a great part. That whole ending match for me and Sting, it's five more minutes. The best shit I've ever done because we had the people so like right there, you know? Good you stuff, know? Good stuff.
The Busted Open Podcast is now available on YouTube. This is Dave LaGreca, host of Busted Open, the number one pro wrestling show on the planet. You can now watch and listen to the award-winning Busted Open Podcast every single day on YouTube. Our best interviews, behind-the-scenes access, and some of our best content from the past. All available right now when you go to YouTube.com slash at Busted Open Podcast. Subscribe right now. I know you're excited. I know the Busted Open Nation is excited. What are we excited about? We're excited about NXT. What else are we excited about? Halloween Havoc. That's going to be the next two weeks on NXT television. And I'm very excited for the NXT Women's Championship match held by Becky Lynch. But you know what? Come Halloween Havoc, we may have a new champion. And who could that champion be? It's our next guest. Lyra. Valkyria joins us right here on Busted Open. Lyra, welcome to Busted Open, and thanks for the time. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Lyra, did he get the pronunciation of your last name correct? You're damn right I did. did. That's right. I know what I've watched. I watch NXT every single Tuesday night. And Lyra, like, there's a lot to talk about. This is the First of all, this is the first time here on Busted Open, so thank you for the time and thanks for joining us. No, thank you. No problem. Uh, let me ask you another question. How many interviews have you done, Lyra? Uh, this is my first with WWE. Wow. Oh, excellent. <laughs> All right. You're, you're, I love it. You're, your first time and you get to be on the air with me. Trump. Can't believe right, it. <laughs> right into the deep end yeah. with the great one. <laughs> no, yeah, right here we with, go. I'm right kidding. with the Hall of Famer. Right with the Hall of Famer. <laughs> But, uh, Lyra, listen, you know, the success of NXT and how many people now are watching NXT every Tuesday night, you're a part of that experience. You're a part of that team. You're one of the reasons why. How excited are you to be a part of that NXT roster? I genuinely can't put it into words because my opponent at Halloween Havoc, Becky, I can't imagine a more significant opponent or a more significant stage because my early days in this world, everything was, was all about NXT. It was the thing I couldn't miss each week. It was the thing motivating me to want to be here. NXT was always the stage that I wanted to get to. And Halloween Havoc, wrestling Becky Lynch for the NXT Women's Championship, that's just not something that I even thought would be in the realms of possibility because... Becky, she's one of the most decorated women in, in all of WWE. And I just, I couldn't have imagined that 2023, she would be the NXT Women's Champion. And, and this would be my stage to show what I've got. And just, I can't believe it. I can't put it into words. <laughs> so Lyra, would it be safe to say that like Becky Lynch is an, a huge inspiration to you? Maybe one of your heroes in pro wrestling? She's a huge inspiration to me. Um, she's she's from very close to where i grew up we tra we trained on the same mats by the same people everything um and i've i've told the world that now but it, it's going to be very different at halloween havoc because we're opponents now and and that has to go out the window i i can't think that way anymore um because it's it's not about how much of an inspiration she was to me anymore she's got something that I want now and I wasn't working all these years to be worthy to stand across the ring from her. 
I've been working all these years to become someone who can beat Becky Lynch. You, you gave the right answer. You're going to have to separate it come Halloween Havoc. But let's let's be honest. When the bell rings and you have to out-wrestle and out-fight and outperform Becky Lynch, do you think you have it in you to get rid of the fandom and get down to business? I think I do. I think when that bell rings, I'm well able to turn that switch off and just see an opponent across from me. And just because I, I could never have imagined this happening so quickly in my career within my first year in NXT, but I've been showing that I'm so capable of this because I've, I've gone toe to toe with Rhea Ripley, the women's world champion. I've had an NXT women's championship opportunity just before, and I feel more ready now than ever. And I feel like I'm championship material now, and now is the time. Well, Lyra, I think you made a definitive statement at the end of NXT on Tuesday night when you took that picture of you and Becky together and ripped it in half. And you said, in one week, that title is mine. I mean, I think at that moment, that was really when you separated you as a fan of Becky Lynch and you as a challenger to that NXT Women's Championship. That That's exactly it. That was exactly what I intended to do when I tore that picture in half. Lyra, how long have you been at it now, uh, career between your training and your time in NXT or anything that you might have done in between? This is my ninth year. Um, I, I started the same week. It was the day of Money in the Bank 2014 was the day I had my first training session, four days after Becky's debut that I saw on NXT. Wow. And, and I know, like, we talk about this match. And, like, and again, I think... Listen, I can hear it in your voice. You're excited. I can hear in your voice that this is obviously the biggest moment and the biggest match of your career. But I feel like a lot of people feel this way as well, that you deserve and have earned uh, this opportunity coming up next week. I would feel that with everything that you've gone through. And I know in a lot of ways, one year is not a lot of time. But in this one year for the NXT brand, there's been a lot of growth with this brand. Do you feel like, hey, you know, I've earned this position in this match next week at Halloween Havoc? Oh, I absolutely feel like I've earned this position. I've been doing this for a long time, but at the same time, I still feel like I'm at the beginning of my career and that I still have so much to show and to do. Um, but yeah, it's a very competitive time in NXT. We've got so many women coming through. We've got the the women's breakout tournament unfolding every Tuesday yep. as well. So my eyes are on that. My eyes are on Becky. There's so much going on right now. Lyra, what would you say is your number one strength in the ring? And if you're comfortable enough saying it, what would you say is your number one weakness? I think my my strength is my athletic ability in the ring and my technical side. Uh, that's my wheelhouse. That's where I feel most most comfortable. But I think I've I think my weakness is going to be tested in this ring because I will have to turn off that switch and and just not think about who I'm in the ring with and 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 all that kind of thing. Like I really need to just be ready and be present and be there. So when your hero Becky Lynch punches you in the face, you're ready to punch her in the face back, right? Yeah, if I get punched in the face, it doesn't matter if it's my hero or if it's not. Like, all you're thinking about is punching back. All you're thinking <laughs> would, about is that NXT uh, championship. 
yeah, I'm thinking about that gold and I want that. Uh, Lyra, you just told us earlier that this is your first ever interview as part of the WWE. By the way, thank you that you made uh, the, your first interview be with us. I, we appreciate that very much. Uh, but no, now, but now, like now that this is this is open now, now that you've broken the seal and you've done your first interview, are you ready now to be a part of those media scrums? Are you ready to be doing a bunch of interviews? Because now. You're going to be out there, especially next week if you win this NXT Women's Championship. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge part of, of what I want to do and what I want to be a part of here in WWE, so I'm more than ready. Did you always want to be a professional wrestler? Um, from discovering WWE, it, it was NXT and seeing Becky debut that made me want to do this. Um, wow. wow, you don't you don't hear that a lot, right, Dave, that it was the actual NXT product that inspired somebody to be a wrestler. But it makes sense because Lyra's young and NXT has been around now for a while for for you and me, Bully. It's something new, but it's been around and it's built like where we're seeing now women and men who have main evented WrestleMania that have come from the NXT brand. So it makes sense. So, yeah, that's excellent. All right, so Lyra, when it comes to next week, let's say you win that NXT Women's Championship. As a matter of fact, let's just say you're going to win. When you win that NXT Women's Championship next week, what's the first thing you're going to do with that NXT Championship title? I'm going to call up everyone at home and say that I did it. <laughs> and 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 I don't know. I don't know if they they told you this or if, if you know this or not, but. You have to sleep next to the championship. Oh, you lay, you yeah, lay the championship that, yeah. in bed and you actually sleep next to it. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> you know, Lyra, what are some being this is your first interview with the WWE? Get, tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you like doing outside of the ring? Outside of the ring, uh, I'm very into like fantasy. Uh, reading novels, all that kind of thing. Fitness. You mean like with elves and stuff? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings type stuff? Obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Obsessed. Oh, we have oh. something in common. I like Lord of the Rings too. Really? Yes. I have a, I'm, believe it or not, I have a lot of geek in me. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, anything Tolkien, I love, I love all of that. By any chance, are you a Star Wars fan? I'm a Star Wars fan. Big fan oh. of the prequels. They're, no, no, you don't hear that a lot, but no. prequels are my favorite. I love the prequels, too. Mm -hmm. God, you and Pully are hitting it off. <laughs> I got to tell you, Lyra, not big on it's, the Star it's Wars. It's going a lot better than with, than with Tri Tiffany Stratton. She didn't know who I was, so, you know. Yeah, that's right. Tiffany Stratton, <laughs> but you know what? Listen, <laughs> listen but the, the, the Lord, too much walking. With the Lord of the Rings. They're walking here, walking there, searching for the ring. Too much walking for me. But I guess that goes hand in hand with you being into fitness. That's the only thing I can think of. Very wordy, that J.R.R. Tolkien guy. He is, yeah. I, I love him so much. <laughs> uh, Jade Cargill. Obviously, everybody's been talking about Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill made her presence known almost immediately after you ripped up that picture. 
just as a competitor, the competitor in you, are you hoping that Jay Cargill lands with NXT? Yes, absolutely. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, hype and people wondering where she's going to go, but if I win that championship, she'd be someone that I'd have my eye on and I would absolutely love to go up against. Lyra, All one right. of the questions that I ask any of the NXT talent that comes on with us is you got such great coaches down at NXT. Uh, a, a lot of knowledge uh, down there and a lot of, you know, men and women that you can learn from. Who do you turn to, to, to learn the most from? Or if you have a very specific question, do you have a go-to coach down in NXT? Uh, Johnny Moss is a fantastic coach. He's actually someone that before I ever was anywhere near WWE, um, I remember being in, in college and uh, trying to put off my college exams to the summer so I could go over uh, to the UK and train with Johnny Moss. And then it was just one of those things where all those years later, he ended up as my coach in the performance center as well. So Johnny Moss. Okay. Right. Well, Lyra, I just texted Bilbo Baggins and he thinks that you're <laughs> going to win this match next week against against Becky Lynch. So we may see a new uh, NXT Women's Champion. Seriously, Lyra, thank you so much for the time. We're looking forward to Halloween Havoc next Tuesday. Again, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the USA Cable Network. Two weeks of Halloween Havoc. And I guess Lyra Valkyria, thank you so much for the time. Good luck. And thank you, seriously, for making us your first ever interview with the WWE. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And Thank you know what? You and, I, I, uh, and Lyra, I'm going to make a promise to you. I'm making a promise to you right now. Before your match next week, I promise to read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings before before your match next week. No, for you. For you. Because you've inspired me now to open up my mind, open up my eyes, and I'm going to I'm gonna hit J, some J.R.R. Tolkien really hard over the next week before your match. That's, that's a big promise. Have you seen how big those books are? <laughs> So maybe I'll do the book and record. Maybe I'll do the book and record. Seriously, Lyra, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank Good you. Good luck and may the force be with you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.